It's Monday, September 11th. I just realized it's September 11th. Uh, that's a sad element to start the show on what should also be a sad show. Uh, weird, weird to try to approach this with our normal humorous tone today. How are you, Cart? Did you have a good weekend? Uh, I, I guess you could say I had a good weekend. I mean, it's just uh, obviously uh, the things that transcribed over the weekend kind of make it hard, like you said, to make this a uh, a normal kind of humorous or lighthearted episode like we typically do. Um, but in an attempt to do that, it is 9-11. I want to send a quick shout out to our good friend Z Hearth. It's his wedding anniversary and it was his birthday over the weekend. So uh, happy, well, I think it's two years maybe. Yeah, happy two years to Katie and Zach. Love you all. Huge, huge. Agreed. I endorse that message. Uh, can I do one quick little humorous moment at your expense to start the show? Yes. So I've let this fly for like four years now and I was just going to probably let it fly. But this feels like... Four? Yeah, this feels like an appropriate moment to actually like pick on it a little bit since we need to lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, you say the word transcribed when you mean transpired. Every I, do, I do do that. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> it always gets a chuckle out of me. It's probably happened like 15, 16 times on this program. And uh, yeah, I this just was a nice little moment to be able to pick on that. I like it's because I always have the 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 need to like use a word like that. Like if I can fire off a transpired, a transcribed, an audacity, um, <laughs> something of that, you know, that that level wordsmith, I need to pull that out. And uh, obviously, I need to do it better. But thank you for pointing that out because I don't know if I noticed that. Yeah, your vocabulary has taken leaps and bounds since I uh, first met you roughly 11 years ago now at this point. It's always impressive. You're whipping out larger words than I use on podcasts pretty much on a daily basis. But thank you for giving me a quick moment to lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, yes, we're going to talk about Mel Tucker and everything that has transpired in that situation. Uh, we'll lead the show with that. We are also going to respond to comments first. And then we are going to talk basketball, Team USA. Uh I mean, didn't even meddle. We haven't talked about them in a while. So here we are. And uh, there's a new postseason tournament, which Michigan basketball fans should get real excited about. <laughs> there's an opportunity there. Uh, but first, let's let's do the comments. Do you have a favorite comment from over the weekend? Yes, I do. And I'm going to pull that up right this moment. Shout out to YouTube Studio app, by the way. I think it's a very accessible and usable app. Um, I did want to address one comment before pulling the comment that I, I picked uh, Lindsey green said, damn it, Carter, damn it. Where did Carter's mic go? Don't make me go buy one for him. Uh, I'm in the market for a new microphone. Everyone. Um, one of our good friends who does the producing over at uh, Spiro Ave and does some other things, uh, Ben Augusta. I hope I didn't ruin his last name there, but he sent me a mic suggestion. that I think I might get from Amazon. So that should be coming soon. Um, I'm sorry you guys have to put up with this while Greg has the top of the line sure brand mic, I believe it is. Uh, but I'll get that fixed soon. But the comment I will pick is from Malik Perry, who's also in the Discord, by the way. But shout out to Malik Perry. Carter, since MSU is hosting some players, who's in your 2025 most wanted for the team? Um, easy, easy question. Jalen Harrelson is my absolute most wanted 
That's the player that I think we need to go all in on. If we get him, he will be a one and done NBA prospect lottery pick player. And I want him on my basketball team. That's who I would go all in for. He's one of my favorite prospects in high school basketball in general. Uh, I think he's got hella game. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's my my one pick. I don't know. Gee, if you got any uh, 2025 MSU targets that that you have in, in mind. Jeremiah Fears is 25, right? Jeremiah Fears is is 25, yes. That would be my one then. I think uh, I think you said the best player that they're after, which is probably the correct answer. For obvious reasons, I think Fears is an important recruit. Um, and I, I love a sibling duo. And I think you could have very good point guard play for roughly seven years, six years, if you just line it. And it's, and it's a few years. Yeah, that's impressive stuff to me. So, uh, and I do think, I think there's other schools that are seriously in the mix for Jeremiah. So if Izzo could land that recruitment right now, um, that'd be huge. Yeah. And Jer- Jeremiah is shooting up the rankings too. Mm-hmm. Like he was a he was a fifty ish kid, and now he's like finding himself borderline five star range, like l- low twenties. Mm-hmm. Yep, I would not be surprised whatsoever if he ends up a five star. He's also probably he might get the bump from Jeremy here. Like if Jeremy fears plays eighteen minutes a game for Michigan State this year and looks really good, Jeremy Jeremiah's gonna be a five star. <laughs> that's my theory. That's like, a fair. That's a fair bump though. I feel like. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I mean, sometimes you gotta bank on the fact that the brother. Or sibling, whatever, got good. Is that the recruitment rankings people's version of my clickbait? <laughs> they just they, you know you got a really good player at the college level, so let's make his brother a big time recruit. Maybe, I and I honestly, I think you make a good point too, because in my eyes, if we don't get Jeremiah Fears, I think he might go to Illinois. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of teams in the mix for Jeremiah. Good player. All right, uh, thank you, Malik, and thank you for joining the Discord, Malik. We saw you join. I think it was Friday you joined. So uh, part of the best community there is. The Discord, Sleepers Discord. Do, are we calling them the Sleepwalkers still? That feels a little off to me. But it seems like they've they've adapted the, okay. the name Sleepwalker. So I think it might be. Then it's the Sleepwalker. Maybe they should just be the Sleepers. Maybe everyone's a Sleeper that listens to Sleepers. And that, we're... That yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll work on it. But uh, Discord, good week for the Discord, I would say. Uh, can we talk about the gambling newsletter real quick? Of course. We are on fire. <laughs> That's the update, right? Like I went yeah. five and zero oh in against the spread picks with a little help from Oregon's miracle backdoor cover should have been four and one, but uh, the other four were relatively smooth. I mean, like covering by 15, 20 points. Um, we are now tied for records on the year. I believe with our picks, I believe we're both eight and three. Is that I believe so. Right? Yeah. I, w- I went two and one. Yeah. yeah Third so- straight winning week for you. Yeah, so I went two and one. I felt pretty good about it. I got free screw by Tulane, but I, I I didn't feel totally bad about that. The backup quarterback situation really cooked me, but they could have easily won that football game. Uh I believe since he uh won outright mm-hmm. at Pitt. Um, so that worked out. And obviously Colorado was able to cover pretty easily, even though they made a stress for the first half against a very bad Nebraska team. So all in all, you know, the the if you're betting every single pick that we pick for the college football picks, you're in a great spot right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're both eight and three, 16 and six, not a math podcast, but that's profitable. Uh, and then beyond that, like I, I always send some quote unquote fun plays, some long shot plays. I advise you sprinkle on. We had a 10 leg parlay. I had a hundred dollars on it to win 18,000. The only leg that lost was Alabama money line. 
it's, it still hurts. It still hurts. I had cash out opportunities of over $2,000 live. Uh, I didn't cash out. Probably should have looking back. But when it's Alabama, I mean, they took that 16-13 lead. I'm sitting there pretty like this is going to happen. Um, and they also are the only one that killed the GTZ teaser, by the way. It would have been 3-0 for GTZ teaser. But Alabama money line lets me know. Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah, How please. are you Alabama and you don't have an elite quarterback? Do you think they thought Milrow was elite? I think that's no. my read on it. No, no I, I don't. I don't think so. I think that they got. I think they got stuck with Milrow. See, I I think they thought he was a dynamic guy. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah. I guess the question would be like, why didn't you go get Sam Hartman? If Notre Dame could get Sam Hartman, why didn't Alabama just do that? Right, yeah. but instead, like you went for the backup. I think they got the backup from Notre Dame as <laughs> their quarterback. Yeah, Buckner. Ugh. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think Milrow can still be all right, but um, the Quinn Ewers also is pretty damn good. I got to put some respect on Texas. So tough one though. I'm heartbroken about it. I, I also don't like rooting for Nick Saban. Like I don't, I don't like rooting for Alabama. So finding myself in a spot where like all I need is Alabama to just hold serve at home and they screw me. Like that's not, I'm going to lose sleep over. I didn't sleep well the last two nights, honestly, after that. So uh, okay. But anyways, n- newsletters coming again. Uh, we did some NFL picks as well. Touchdown round robin was profitable, I believe. We got two out of five on that. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, things are moving. People are talking a lot of bets in there. US Open was a great week to bet. So if you're interested in getting into sports gambling or if you're just interested in joining a community where there's like 50 people that have mutual shared interests and uh, we're all having a lot of fun in there, join the Discord. The link is in the description. It's $9.99. A month join on desktop and you'll get that price uh, and as i said to a couple of people basketball jones just joined over the weekend you can join on a computer and then just download the app and everything else is on your phone i've been running it from my phone so that's the easiest way to do it let's get to the discord comments though uh starting with coy who on friday said carter being the biggest perpetrator of his own quote basketball ick is outrageously on brand <laughs> Yeah. Wait, what do you mean the biggest per can you can you break that down for me? What that exactly means? Does that mean that I only use one hand when I play? Uh no, your basketball ick was not that you use one hand. It was um what it was something you oh, said. It, yeah. Oh no, no. It was that I it was that harping on people that are only good with one hand and yes. then for literally a whole season I had all right hand jokes for Trace Jackson Davis and Hunter Dickinson. Yes, correct. I mean pretty Pretty spot on by Coy, yeah. Yeah, and I also, I just don't think that's your basketball ick. Like, I think that was, you saw a moment in an episode where, like, we needed someone to hit a home run, and God bless you, you swung for the fences. But I think that was just a lie. No, it's definitely an ick, but I I know, I already know what my big, biggest basketball ick is easily. (laughs) What? It's non-shooting point guards. Yeah, I don't like those. Easily, easily. More more specifically, non-shooting point guards that will go a whole four-year career and not shoot well. Like, you don't got resources and a gun machine in your gym. Like, come on now. Get a respectable jumper. Do you mean non-shooting point guards as in point guards that can't shoot or point guards that won't shoot? Because you're familiar with both. Both. Okay. Okay. Um, Do you believe that shooting is something you can just get better at? Uh, I do think so, yes. Across the board, like, all basketball players can just get better at shooting. Yeah, but better is really relative. Like, I'm not saying you got to become a knockdown shooter, but I think you can develop some type of, uh, you, I'll throw the word, respectable jump shot. Okay. 
Okay. Not I've necessarily always... gotta use you don't necessarily have to use it, but like I don't know. It's more specifically, like I said, it's with point guards or guards. Yeah. Okay. That don't improve in the shooting category, at least a little bit. Okay. I've always been intrigued by the concept of like is shooting just like like is it lazy to not get better at shooting? Is it across the board the same for everybody? Yeah, it's not lazy. It's lazy not to get better at free throw shooting. Did you get better at shooting over your basketball career? Yes. Like linear progression there? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Especially from the free throw line. What was the numbers? Not a math podcast, but uh I think I start I was really bad my freshman year free throws. I don't even know if that was mental or whatever, but I like was sub fifty? Like around fifty. Okay. Like fifty, fifty, probably five, fifty eight. Got under around the high sixties probably for the next two years, but went up and then like ended probably around 70 ish. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Credit to cat. Got in the <laughs> lab. Me and Z hurt. Coy also said, uh, TSJ growing from six, five and a half to six, eight is something. And then Carter confirmed he's six, seven. Coy said, I guess you have stood right next to him. So you would know. You saw him too, G he's, That's... he, he's, he's six, seven. That's boots on the ground reporting right there. Uh, yeah, yeah. The my biggest takeaway from a lot of this shit is uh, you're tall. People forget that <laughs> you're tall too. Yeah, but more specifically, you're tall. Yeah, it, it definitely is a part of the sleepers brand that when people see me for the first time, whether players, media members, anyone, fans, it's damn, you're tall. Yeah, or you're taller than I thought. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people in college basketball media are this way, too. Like, we're not, you are, but I'm not, like, on the tall spectrum, I would say, necessarily, of, like, like Goodman's 6'3". He's tall. Doster's 6'2 and a half. Borzello's, like, 5'8". Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It depends <laughs> on the hair that day. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm rad you just gave Doster 6'2 and Goodman 6'3". They are. I'm just calling it what it is. Tall I, I thought you were taller than them. Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah, and I'm tall. I also don't stand up straight, though. Big, bad posture guy. The de- the day you fix your posture and stand up straight, you're 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, We're working on that. Fam says, cart doing the show in shades is the energy I needed. No victory shades today, I notice. Uh, yeah, for, for reasons we already know. Okay. Uh, Koi says, Gregory didn't expect the birthday rap at all. Absolutely delivered, and he gave me a clapping emoji. Thank you. Uh, I listened back. I think I gave a D plus performance of that, by the way. I think uh, I didn't ever perform that at all. Like I didn't practice it before we got on the Zoom call, so I didn't know how it would go. But uh, I think I could have delivered significantly better. So shame on me. Harsh, harsh, great. Well, at least the harsh greater narrative is never going to go away. Uh, Just being honest, holding people accountable. Illini Trav says hashtag justice for champagne. Uh, We did. Yeah, we gassed up champagne pretty well. Mike camera is going blurry i don't know why we're just going to move on keith johnson says i am overriding carts veto of riley into the lion fan base this is america's team this year coach prime and the lions need to be the football stories of 2023 how do you feel about keith's insistence that riley davis can be a bandwagon lions fan he can be a part of the movement he can support the movement from afar he can't get in the he can't get in the suburban he can't get on the wagon this is our wagon you weren't there with us. You weren't there suffering. I still am perturbed. Uh, uh, uh. Perturbed that Riley said I had a gap 
between my Super Bowls in an attempt to make us feel bad about him and wanting him to join our bandwagon. You son of a biscuit. How dare you? Riley does entitlement in such a charming way. It's honestly <laughs> really impressive. Um, and I say that as someone who also lived a pretty privileged upbringing life. Like he just, he makes it so charming. Even when he's talking about Super Bowls, like he just doesn't realize. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I still am harsh on your side of this. I don't think, uh, I don't really think anybody should be able to bandwagon the Lions fans. I think people should be able to like this Lions team and root for them if they want to. And especially nationally, you should talk about how good the Lions are. I think like the the loud discourse should be the Lions are awesome. That's cool. That's fun. That's great. You don't get to claim them. That's my difference. There's a difference between claiming it as your success as a fan versus just appreciating it. Everyone should appreciate it. Nobody should claim it except for Lions fans. Tristan says, in honor of Nebraska's quarterback, who is the worst projected Big Ten starter for this season? I hate the pinpoint, but it's got to be somebody from Minnesota, right? I don't know. Um, Minnesota has some dudes. Like, Pharrell Payne's going to be good. Yeah, maybe Cam Christie if he starts. <laughs> what a shocker. I'm trying to think of a non-Minnesota example just to, like, kind of play the exercises if, like, it was the good teams who has a bad starter. Michigan small forward is going to be bad, whoever it is. I mean, it, the leader in the clubhouse is Jalen Llewellyn. So, like, if Jalen Llewellyn is starting, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, also, if you want to go, to go to that point, like, if Madi's starting, Madi might be in the category of worse. Yeah, I think uh, even on the good teams, there's there's weak spots across the board in a lot of places here. Illinois doesn't have one because they're really deep. Purdue doesn't have one because they're really deep. Uh, Michigan State's really deep, but they do have one, as Carter alluded to. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I've still... I would I would honestly lean like it's Llewellyn or Yo-Yo Kyat or Trey Jackson. Like, awesome. that's... Multiple options from the Wolverines. That's like the Michigan fans are like, oh, Trey Jackson's starting. Okay, he's the worst starter in the Big Ten. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like he, he would not start at Minnesota. Got it. Okay. Uh <laughs> Coy did say gotta be someone on Minnesota. Basketball Jones. Love that he's in the Discord now. Says Xavier Johnson had more turnovers than points scored in the conference games he played last year. Just saying. That's a crazy stat. Can we fact check that? That's a crazy stat, but it feels like one of those stats where he only played like two conference games or something. I don't care. I don't care. You know? <laughs> I love that stat. But if, also, if basketball uh, Jones says something, that's something I don't fact check, to be honest. that's I take that as word. I take that as bond. Am I allowed to draw a line in the sand with a current Big Ten player? No, I'm not talking to anybody in specific necessarily, Car, but like if I wanted to, am I allowed to draw the line in the sand and just be like, I don't like this player. I might be rooting against this player. No one I'm no one in specific I'm talking about, but am I allowed I mean, to do that? Uh, there's no one specific you're talking about? No, nobody specific here, but it, if I wanted to, would I be allowed to do that on the show from your perspective or no? Yeah. Okay. I still don't know if I'm fully comfortable with it yet. Are, are we sure? I, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, well, this player likes to tweet things about himself so <laughs> i mean that could be so many people you're right that's true i'm gonna i'm gonna show some restraint right now but uh i don't like a certain player again nobody in specific uh 
to read basketball Jones's comment again, Xavier Johnson had more turnovers than points scored in conference games. He played last year. Just saying there's a certain player. I just don't like very much uh, who tried to antagonize us and accuse me of wishing him injured. I don't know who it is. No, nobody in specific fam says I was going to say shatter as a half joke, but wanted to be positive vibes guy. But since you brought it up, dot, 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 JK, the worst starter for sure. Sissoko in terms of program wins above replacement. Let's get kicking on that philanthropy career. That's messed up, man. Monty is a good person, but he might be the worst Big Ten starter. He might be. Especially relative, great, especially relative to the rest of the talent on the team. He is a great person. He is yeah. a great person. At least he's a great person. Imagine not being imagine being okay at hoop and a bad person. At least he's a great person. Uh, there would be days where I would make a joke about being a good person not mattering. Today is not one of those days. That's <laughs> something I'm very focused on right now. We need more good people. So shout out Madi Sissoko. Malik Perry says that's going to be a hard sell depending on who starts. Uh, that was in reply to my whoever starts the small forward for Michigan thing. Um, yeah, I, or no, he said that's going to be hard to sell. I don't know if that's saying uh, he is in agreement with me that that player is going to be bad. I think that's what he's saying. Malik's a big I think, I think that's, that's how it came across to me. Yeah, they're bad, Malik. I know that. They're bad. Travis Nelson says, uh, actually, <laughs> I will say this before reading this comment. It was kind of fun to like relive the weekend going through this thread of comments because we had like people who listened to the episode right away on Friday. And then we had all day college football thoughts. And then we have, oh, shit. Sunday. Um, Travis has the final comment of the day, and he says, it's a sad day for MSU. I'm thankful for guys like D'Antonio and Izzo for what they've done for the university from their athletic posts. You know, one of the things about this, or one of the things that irks me about when situations arrive like this, and we're going to talk on it later because there's a couple things that irk me about this whole situation, obviously. But why does everyone have to bring up Izzo or lean on Izzo when things like this happen? Is, uh, it, just be- because, is, it, just, is it just because of his his position at the school and who he is? I think like, I would have. Like this whole season, sorry, not to cut you off, this whole okay. season that he has, is he going to have to deal with the questions about what has happened with the football program during like his whole season? He probably, is, someone's going to ask him a lot, right? Uh, I think on the front end, like for the next two months, yeah. But I don't think like by the time we hit December, I don't think he's going to be having to answer for this. I think uh, my perspective on this with Izzo's involvement has kind of shifted in the last five years. It it really shifted, honestly, after the shooting, um, because I thought Tom was so impactful in his words and his presence at a time of need at the uh, what's it called? Vigil. Vigil. And. I I really earned a lot of respect for him. I, I just I don't know. I like I as an alum of Michigan State, I needed to hear what Tom Izzo said from Tom Izzo at that moment. And before that moment, I never thought I needed to hear anything from Tom Izzo at any moment. Like I that was always my thing. Like was I I was with you. Like, oh, why is Tom Izzo even answering for this? This is stupid. He shouldn't be speaking on anything. Half the time, I don't even like the things he says about controversial situations. But um, yeah, it shifted after the shooting. So I, I that resonated with me in a big way. How he connected people and brought people together in a positive way. Um, I feel bad for a lot of people. We'll, we're gonna do this whole segment in a second, but 
I feel bad for a lot of people involved in this. I do. This is way down on the list, but I do feel bad for Tom Izzo because Tom has nothing to do with this. And once again, he's going to have to come out and be like the face of this just troublesome university that is constantly tied to various scandals that have very little, if anything to do with him. So I don't know. I think uh, he's going to have to address it. And my hope I texted you this genuinely, but my hope would be he condemns this. My hope would be he draws the line and says, this was obviously horrible. Um, I don't know if he will do that, at least not until Mel is fired. Like he's not under any obligation to do that. And I know him and Mel were close before this. So, um, but I, my hope would be he says the right thing. I think he is capable and will say the right thing. And we move on and this doesn't hang over his head into November. Yeah, I guess it's just, it's just funny to, or not, I guess I don't know if funny is the word, but when the situation comes up, it just seems that everyone else falls on the back burner who should be answering for things like this. It's just like, you know, what, what's Alan? No one, no one's like, Oh, we need to hear what Alan Haller has to say about this. It's, Oh, what does Tom Izzo have to say about this? Even though technically, I mean, shit, Izzo definitely maybe is probably is bigger than the AD at Michigan State. But as positional wise goes, Haller's the person that should people should want to hear from or see how they react to the situation because they are the leader of the athletic department. So uh I I do agree with you to to your point, you know, hearing obviously from Izzo, him his his position at the school. It just sometimes rubs in the wrong way that he is forced, I guess, to kind of do that. But I guess, you know, the phrase, what great power comes great responsibility, that type of thing kind of comes up in this situation because of his his standing with the school and who he is. Or not even great power with with greatness comes certain responsibilities, right? Like there, yeah. I don't think across the country, I don't think there are many schools where if the football coach had this happen, people want to hear from the basketball coach. It would have happened at Duke. People would have wanted Coach K. People would have wanted Roy Williams. People would want Bill Self if this stuff happened because those guys are Hall of Fame Mount Rushmore guys. And Tom Izzo is that. Uh, and he's really important and he matters. So um, like I said, he's going to have to speak on it. Hopefully he does sooner rather than later. Hopefully he says the right thing, condemns Mel. We move on. But um, I don't know. I do. You, I, let me ask you this rather than me say my side of this. Do you think this is one of those things that like, Let's just say hypothetically Michigan State doesn't have the basketball season everybody hopes they have. Is this going to be one of those things that it's like, well, this was hanging over Izzo all season or like not because that, so. that has happened multiple I, times already. Yeah, I, I think so. That's crazy. I think so. But I, I don't think it's just that. I don't think it's that in general. I think it's just everything as a whole that's just happened over the past year. Just like wearing him down. Just like every, just everything. And obviously outside of just like uh, scandals or tragic events, you know, despite how well he's doing uh, with recruiting and, you know, keeping people out of the portal and stuff like that, he still to this day mentions that it runs him down sometimes and he's not a young pup anymore. So, I don't think it'll have that big of an effect, but it is something that will, I don't know, just be in the back of back of his mind. Maybe yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, 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 I think it culminates things happening and just hanging over the hanging over the school. Vocabulary impeccable from you today. Again, culminates big moment there. Um, 
Yeah, I I guess that's fair. I don't know. You I will say you would not know from the outside looking in that Tom is wearing down. He's firing on all cylinders as far as performance goes right now. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I like I said, I feel bad for him. Way down the list of people I feel bad for, but I do feel bad that he once again has to like answer for something he had nothing to do with. Let's just get to it. Uh, the news of the weekend was Mel Tucker is suspended without pay for Michigan State football for sexually harassing Brenda Tracy, who he hired to come work with his football program uh, as an advocate for sexual abuse survivors. Uh, she, if you don't know her story, I'm sure you do by now. Anyone listening to this, I'm sure you know what has happened. I don't need to rehash the facts, but I will just do it at the top just to do so. Um, she was gang raped by football players, I believe, years ago and has now since become a prominent activist uh, for women's rights and f- for survivors of situations um, of sexual assault. And she has gone around the country to a lot of programs, a lot of schools, and put a lot of good in in a lot of places. Um, I think what she was doing at Michigan State for a time was pretty great and pretty impactful. Uh, While this was happening behind the scenes, these two built a relationship together, and the allegations come through an article through USA Today, which I highly recommend everybody read. If you have not, I recommend you read it in its entirety. I know ESPN sort of broke the news. Uh, There was not a lot of substance in ESPN's report. There is so much substance, years worth of substance and evidence uh, in the USA Today report. And from what I know, that's why Michigan State made the move to actually suspend him without pay was because all of this information uh, was made knowledgeable to them uh, through this USA Today report. So highly recommend you go back and read it. But long story short, uh, there's a dispute between Mel and Tracy on the consent in their relationship. Tracy says that this was non-consensual. Mel ends up masturbating on a Zoom call to her. She was uncomfortable. Uh, Mel claims this was consensual phone sex. Never mind that his wife is at home. He's got two kids that just graduated from Lansing Catholic. Uh, just messy. Total mess. Uh, I'll throw it to you. We are both Michigan State football fans. Not that that matters here, but I guess in a weird way, it does matter here. Like fandom jades a lot of people's views of this shit. So let me just preface this. What you're going to hear from me, I'm a Michigan State football fan. When it's my turn to talk, I'm going to talk like a Michigan State football fan. And that may be a little jaded, but I'll throw it to you first. You're a Michigan State fan through and through. Uh, What do you make of all of this? Yeah, I I think one thing that I'm not jaded about, though, is when it comes to situations uh, involving this. It's I think this is pretty to me cut and dry. Uh, I, I think you made a good point. The USA Today article, I think, lays out every single thing. It actually took me a good amount of time to read through with all the details in it. I was up till damn near 4 a.m. on Saturday, just kind of rereading it and looking up, you know, looking after all this when this news broke and getting all the details about it. And look, everyone wants to look to be like oh it's it's a consensual phone sex thing it's it's this it's that it's 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 not that in my eyes it it just truly isn't it's just as a leader of young men and a football coach for one of the in my eyes most prominent 
college football programs, at least to me, and call that homerism, call it what you want. I think the Michigan State football brand is extremely strong. You cannot, you cannot do things like this that even give an opportunity to be looked at the wrong way. You just, even when you say it, it out loud, G, like when you just set, said it and explained the story, the head football coach of Michigan State University, who is a married man with two kids, on Michigan State's football dime, might I add, was on a trip and was on Zoom masturbating or having phone sex with a woman who he hired for his football program to talk to them about sexual assault, and she's a sexual assault survivor. It's just, I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that someone could be that stupid. And I'm not saying I'm the perfect person and I've never done anything stupid in my life, but there's also situations where you don't have to do something stupid and you you do the right thing. And I don't think they, the right thing was done about this. And the detail that rubbed me kind of most the wrong way is that once this was filed and once these things came out, the first thing Mel did was lie. Lie about something that he was caught in 4K doing. He said that he wasn't in Florida when this call happened. And they were like, I mean, yeah, yeah, you were. We know you were. You flew down there. Here's the files. Here's everything. Like, So you immediately started off by lying and you're getting caught in lies. You lie again about the relationship that you had with Miss Tracy. And it's it's just a it's an awful situation. It's an awful look for the university. Um, and then as far as I'm sorry, I'm rambling here, G. I got like a lot of things on this, no, I go. guess. Take your time. Um and and looking at it also from the bubble of just Michigan State as a whole and how these situations unfold with them. Everything is so reactionary with Michigan State and how they address these situations. Nothing's proactive with the with these situations. Even in the press conference yesterday, uh, when Haller talked about this and broke everything down. He was unable to articulate that there's certain details about this case that he can't speak on. And I, I find it even troubling myself just because I don't know. I'm not a lawyer and I don't understand how these things unfold particularly. But to my knowledge, when a Title IX complaint is filed, everything is confidential at that point. The only thing that Michigan State knows is that a Title IX complaint, a sexual um, harassment complaint was placed against Mel Tucker. No other details come out after that. Uh, the Title IX department goes through an investigation of their own, you know, circumstances, own people doing it. And that hearing, I think, is for Mel going to be October, the first week of October. So the bye week. Yeah, the bye week. Um, is that so? Coin- is that a coincidence? Huh? Is that like how did that? come to be that the hearing is on see i see see, i don't even know to to me i don't either to me it's to me it's confusing to me that it was in december last year and obviously you got to get the right information and investigation on this but like it was last december when the complaint was made yeah so it is it's such a gray area i think that's what me and you talked about there's such a gray area on like how that process goes and how the details unfold but uh, just to, to wrap up my point, because I have been rambling, I don't think that Mel Tucker should be the football coach of this program. Um, I think they're suspending him is right now as a formality. He's suspended without pay. I think they're literally doing that so that when the investigation or the t- the hearing does happen, which I think he's going to lose. I think they know he's going to lose that. Uh, he already started off the case by lying. So that's never a good start. And he also tried to settle. 
So it, it's just not looking good for him at all. He's suspended without pay. I think he ends up being fired after his hearing takes place. Um, and I just I don't think he should be the head football coach of Michigan State. Okay. And I don't think, and I don't think he's a good person. And I I hate saying that about people because I do. You know, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone does things that are bad. But when you do something that is bad, that doesn't make you a good person in my eyes. It makes you a bad person. Now, maybe how you react afterwards, you can change that narrative. But in my eyes, if you do something like this, it just makes you a bad person. It it does. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of the way to be generous, even though he probably doesn't deserve generosity. But in in the most generous interpretation of what has happened here for Mel Tucker, uh, at a minimum, we have documented evidence that he participated in a non-marital relationship with a prominent rape victim that he hired to help heal at this university that so desperately needs healing. That's not a crime. That's insanity. And it's extremely careless. Like just let's talk like morally. He's that's a horrible husband move, horrible father move. You have a family at home Uh, Two, he lied about where he was when the incident occurred. If his side of the story is correct, I don't understand what that is. That's either careless and stupid and wrong or just he's lying. Like, again, that's not a crime as far as I know, but it's possibly something that could be the main reason he gets <laughs> convicted in this case of a quote unquote crime. And three, uh, he, the fact that he did, like, it seems like he had a team in place, according to the USA Today article, like he had measures from his side here in place trying to get this swept under the rug, whether that was settling with Tracy before this came public or whether that was trying to get the case dismissed at Michigan State University, um, it just seems like like and I'm not saying that's a move of someone that's guilty or not guilty, but like steps were taken to try to get this dismissed from Mel's perspective. Obviously, it would have been better for Mel if this never comes out, but those three things added together are pretty incriminating for me. Um, you know this. I come from a place where I have not been a fan of Mel Tucker for football reasons, right? So it it's not enjoyable for me to like come out and have this be the reason that Mel has a downfall as Michigan State's football coach. But um, overwhelmingly, call it bad person if you want to. Call it whatever you want with him. I think the number one thing I would say is a takeaway on who Mel Tucker is at this point. He's someone that whose actions don't show that he cares about Michigan state at all. Like if you, if you truly care about this school, you would never do this ever. And like the audacity of this man to one, do it and do this to his family but do this to a school that's going through all this and this Spartan community that so desperately needs healing is insane to me. Uh, it, it's such a black mark on his character. And it, it's hard for like the act alone is one thing, but like, you know, this Mel has been publicly complaining that he needs more money <laughs> while knowing this is happening behind the scenes. Like this man has so much audacity as a human and I I can't really comprehend it, honestly. Like you called it stupid. It's definitely stupid, but it's it's like another level. It's like on a tier of stupid. I can't even possibly understand. Like there's levels to stupid, and this just makes no sense for me with Mel. Um, 
So I don't know. I, now I'm rambling. We're probably going to go back and forth rambling. There's a lot more I want to get to on this, including uh, Mark D'Antonio's return to this program in some capacity. We don't know what that capacity is at this point yet. But um, so you you are happy with the result, though, that uh, and, and you you said this, you believe that this is going to be a firing like that's a foregone conclusion. I, I believe so. Um, now, obviously, take that with a grain of salt. I'm not over here trying to be a reporter or anything like that. But in my eyes, to me, it seems like they're suspending him without pay um, until the hearing happens and then they'll have cause. So because I I feel like Mel's going to fight this. He's going to be like, um, I didn't commit a crime. Da da da. I, I want the rest of the money on my contract uh, by going through these steps. I think Michigan State and it sounds it sounds bad, but like by Michigan State taking these steps, it'll assist them in not having to pay Mel the rest of his contract. Because otherwise, we still owe him a little bit over like eighty million dollars. By the way, can we just say I've been saying it uh, for many other reasons, but can we officially call this the worst contract in college football history? Yes. I, that's seems unequivocally clear at this point. This is the worst contract ever given to someone. Um, yeah. Okay. I, so let me ask you this. Cause I'm genuinely curious about this. I, I don't think it's a done deal here. I hope so. And I think it should be, but I don't think it's a done deal that it's a 100% foregone conclusion that Mel is found guilty at the hearing. What happens if he's not? He's because fired either. He's fired either way. How though? Because isn't he, it, that's going to get so messy if he's found not guilty and they fight? Like the there's a crack in the door that that could happen. There, there is. But this is for me. This is how I see it. He's fired either way. All this is is what's going to transcribe. Trans. God damn, <laughs> you're right. Now you got me. Back. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What transpires after the firing? Because there's going to be there's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be things to recoup money from contracts. That's all that is. I think the firing's happening. That's happening. So what? Like, what? What's happening? You probably know this from talking to your Spartan circles. I'm not in, but like, what's happening on the day to day of the football program right now? Like, is, is Mel completely cut off? He's not talking to players. He's not talking to anyone. The, the football program is approaching this as if he is gone and there's nothing, even though he's just suspended to my, to my knowledge. Yeah. Cause he's just like, he's suspended without pay and he's like, he's out of the, like he's out of the facility. He's not having contact with people. Okay. I think the players were made aware of the situation, but I don't know if they're made aware of the situation by Mel. Okay. Um, so like, it's just, it's, it's, it's cut off. Okay. I should have said this at the top. Also, I recommend the USA today article. The one other thing I would really recommend as far as content goes as a result of this is uh Sheehan's podcast, the yeah, the locked on. He did a really good job. It was just like 10 minutes reactionary stuff. He does daily episodes. So if you want more of that from a Michigan State fan perspective, you should listen to it. But I uh, give him credit. I want to give credit to a lot of elements of this actually for a quick cart. Um I'm I'm very pleased with how Michigan State fans have responded to this. Because when it was 12.08 in my bed on Saturday night and I'm reading this realizing no one has even like tweeted it yet and this article is just out there, my first gut reaction was that Michigan State fans were going to rush to defend Mel here. Um, and they didn't. Like o- Across the board, as far as I have seen, everyone has been like, is this guy serious? Get him out. 
And that is the correct reaction. That's how it should be. I'm very pleased that that's been the case. I think on the flip side of this, I think for the most part, until Mark D'Antonio got involved, which I'll speak to, Michigan fans have been pretty gracious of this. Like, I think a lot of Michigan fans have across the board been like, this is messed up. Michigan State fans deserve better. And I don't know if that's meant completely honestly or in jest or what, but like this could have been really messy. And some Michigan fans are idiots and making tough common jokes. You shouldn't do that. But uh, I think for the most part, like everyone in the state across the rivalry on both ends is just like, this is crazy. Like this guy, this guy's such a loser. You got to get him out. So in a sense, things went pretty respectful there. And I'm pleased by that. Um, I hope he does get fired. Like I said, I think it's like 95% that they're just going to find him guilty. And you're right. He's fired. I just fear that 5% of like, if they find him not guilty and then they fire him and they didn't fire him just now, like if they have enough to fire him, I kind of wish they would have just fired him. And I get why they didn't. I know it's about money and it's too much money. So you have to do that. But I, I'm a little fearful because I think if, if Mel somehow is found not guilty in this messy situation, like, and then they fire him, then that hangs forever. Like if you don't get to a point where you can fire him with cause, like this is gonna, I just want him gone to get to the, maybe I'm trying to fast forward, but I want to get to the point of like what's next already. And that's going to be hard to do. This is going to take a while, but like the more that Mel is fighting this, the longer that takes, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm scared. Um, okay. I have a couple other things on this. Um, sorry, this is going really long, but obviously it's big news and I feel like we should talk about it as thoroughly as we can. Um, I think uh, I gave credit to Michigan fans there and Michigan state fans more so, but uh, there are some things that are are bothering me with how people are interpreting what has happened here and now where the discourse has gone two days later. Um, I just want to say this in general. We as fans don't have to go conspiracy theory mode every time there is a scandal. And I think that's a really hard thing to do as fans of college programs and as fans of people who make bad decisions sometimes that put their universities in really horrible positions. But not every scandal is a conspiracy. Sometimes scandals are just scandals. Like sometimes the football coach just does something horrible and it's just that. Like the football coach did something idiotic and that's it. Sometimes there's not like massive cover-ups or massive fuck-ups from the university. And I think like there is a lot of confusion here on the timeline because you know, the title nine was filed months ago and the investigation concluded in July and Haller has reported that. Right. And I get that when you take all that as bullet points on paper, that doesn't look great for a university that has struggled to react quickly to, to issues and reports of sexual harassment and assaults. But they came out yesterday. Like the, the people who wrote the original report came out and said, like, by all accounts, MSU has handled this correctly. And I I just want to make that clear. Like just because we don't have all the information or just because something seems a little messy on paper, not every scandal is a conspiracy theory. Like we don't need to go down the web of like Michigan state was covering this up and has known, and he should have been fired 12 years ago. Like none of that's true in my case from my read on this. I think Michigan state has handled this very well. Not perfectly, but 
about as well as you could have. And I think they deserve credit for that instead of skepticism on, did they really fuck this up again? Because this is a hard, like these situations are hard to manage. Michigan state has been hit with more of them than any program ever should in the last five years. And I think from my perspective, they've done a good job here. And I just want to say that. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, it's, it's just tiring at some point, like this always happening with, you know, the school you support, I guess. It's just like, it's a, it's one thing after another. Uh, you had the nasty situation. You had the, the, the shooting tragedy, tragedy, obviously. The healing still going on from both those situations. And then you have you had this come up. It's just like, damn, when's it going to? I don't know. It, it, in situations like this, I always look to leadership and uh, how they both react and how they are proactive in these situations. And honestly, I don't really believe in Michigan State's leadership right now. And I think that it does have something to do with that. So I don't know if that's necessarily a scandal per se, but uh, whether you say that uh, they are, you know, doing the right thing and responding the right way, I do think that at some point you have to look, it's not just like, oh, it's just, it could happen anywhere situation. It could happen anywhere, but at the same time, leaders are put in place to be proactive and not reactive in my eyes. So I do look to those people somewhat. Uh, there's not a certain person or people that actually handle that. I'm just saying Michigan State leaders in general, I think, could do a better job of, you know, uh, I, I use the phrase being proactive. Yeah. And, it, and that goes in all situations. I think that's fair. I'm just I'm trying to go through the specifics of this situation and be like, OK, what could Michigan State have done better than what they did here? Like. Okay, they knew there was a Title IX report filed. That's all they knew. That like mm-hmm. this has been confirmed. Michigan State knew no details, no specifics, nothing on this matter other than there was a Title IX complaint filed against Mel Tucker. That's all they mm-hmm. knew. Uh, could you have suspended Mel the moment there's a complaint? Sure, but again, it's a complaint. You don't know if it is even real or not. Anybody can file a complaint. And two... It's not protecting anyone's identity for them to suspend him proactively like that. Like if they suspend Mel, then they have to answer to PR questions from everyone across the world on why is he suspended? Mm-hmm. And if if the complaint here, if Tracy is not ready and willing to go public yet, what's Michigan State supposed to do? Oh, we suspended our football coach, but we can't tell you why that would never fly. So. I think in a in a sick way, like the fact that it waited until now, until Brenda got to come out on her own terms with these allegations was the only way they could do it. That's respectful of her. And now the moment that it's public from her side. OK, Mel suspended. There you go. Yeah. So, so but everything you just said right there, I thought should have been said at the press conference. It wasn't said. So yeah. now it leaves now it leaves like a gray area. And uh, there's a, it it sheds a bad light on a, on the community for or, and on the school for a situation that's obviously insane in the first place. But like everything you just said had to be information found out by me and you uh, or other sur- or other sources reporting on it. Um, it wasn't said yesterday at the press conference, and, okay. and that and that's the thing that that's what leaders are supposed to do. They're supposed to lay out things like that, and that that wasn't laid out at all. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, okay. Uh, and, and, and last thing, absolutely insane situation, like just insane. 
insane. I I had to tell my mother yesterday. She's like, what's all this Mel Tucker news that's going on? I was like, yeah, it's wild. My head football coach was masturbating on a Zoom call with a sexual assault victim. That's literally what happened. We always do this as a trope, but like we always say it's not hard to be a good person. Is it hard to not jack off to a rape victim that you hired <laughs> on a Zoom call? Is that seems hard? Pretty, to, seems is that hard to avoid? Easy. Seems pretty easy not to do. Seems pretty simple to avoid that one. Uh, crazy. Uh, okay, I do. I feel bad pivoting to like the football ramifications of this, but I want to do this. Um, and I have some Mark D'Antonio stuff to get off. But uh, what does this mean for Michigan State football? Because this is obviously bad. Mel had a lot of recruiting momentum, even if the on-field results weren't great last year. It, is this like rock bottom? From your perspective, this is a hard reset. Obviously, where do you hope Michigan State goes? Do you believe Harlan Barnett could be the guy? Do you think Mark D'Antonio's back and could be back for good? Where's this headed? I think that the situation of, of having Harlan be the intern coach and Mark be a uh, advisory role, and apparently this advisory role is going to have him like in a headset, either in the booth or I'm sorry, yeah, in the box or on the sideline, uh, apparently. Uh, I think the details on that are still going to come out, but I think it adds some stability to the program. I think, um, I think that Mark is a guy who does a great job of instilling a great football culture and things like that. I also think he's a really good football coach. Um, I thought that Mel was a, uh, I'm trying to think how I want to say this being being a good football coach isn't just what you do as far as like play calling and x and o's like it's some of the stuff that mel does like the 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 photo the photo shoots the being being appealing to uh recruits and kids like fire you know being a motivator there's other there's so many factors that go into coaching beyond just X's and O's and things like that. It is hilarious that you started the good list for Mel with photo shoots though. Like I just want to say that. But I mean, you're right, you're right, but that's it's absolutely hilarious that the top of the list for Mel Tucker's strengths is photo shoots. In in regards to recruiting. That's what I'm that's what I'm He's, that's the he's point fantastic at bringing cars and dogs to photo shoots. He's the best in the world at that 95 mil. What I will say is that given this and Mel not being the coach, I think this was the I think this was the only move that you could make. Because I think um, just visually, semantically, semantically, you like that word? Yeah. I don't even know if that fits. But uh, having Mark with the program, I think, just provides uh, like a, a good feeling for the fan base. Uh, I'd be interested to know how the players feel about this necessarily, because like D'Antoni obviously is Michigan State folklore. But like none of these guys on the team, I don't even know if played for D'Antonio, maybe. I think maybe Noah Kim's a leftover. There might be a couple of leftovers, but uh most of these guys so. are no. Okay. But most I, of these I could be wrong, but I I think okay. I don't think so. I think everybody's gone pretty much. All right. So most of these guys are Mel Tucker guys. And despite the situation, players are gonna ride for their coach in some situations. So it's be interesting to know how these guys kind of buy in. I think by keeping the staff and making Harlan the, the intern coach, that'll help on that side. And then you bring in D'Antonio as like the stabilizer. He's the he's the culture guy. He's the guy you can put in the football program. He's got uh, a knowledge of it. He understands what it means. You mentioned the fact that you don't know if Mel understood what it meant to be like the head football coach at Michigan State. 
that like D'Antonio's doesn't, he's not going to have that issue. I think he understands it. And I'm actually a big fan of Mel's staff. Like I like Harlan. I like Darren Harris. I like all those guys. I think, uh, okay. Let me not say all, I like most of the guys on that staff. I think they got something there. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good move. Uh, and it, it's also been received very well. Like once that, that once that announcement came out for a downtime with Michigan state's football fan base, that seemed to be like a little bit of a beam of light that was injected into the program by bringing him back. Yeah. Uh, okay. I want to start my Mark D'Antonio thoughts with this. I think that Mark is incredibly unselfish in this spot. He should be on a beach playing with his grandkids. Uh, the way, like I'll speak to it more in a second, but the way his tenure at Michigan State ended was not clean necessarily. It wasn't a high note for a coach that should have ended on a high note in my opinion like he he is in my opinion either the greatest or second greatest coach in michigan state football history he built the entire michigan state program into what it became in the 2000s right in the 2010s like mark is the reason for all of the success he's the reason michigan state was even in a position to go out and get a coach who was sought after enough as mel tucker right he cares so much about this university. And I said it at the top of this, like Mel Tucker didn't. <laughs> that's that's why Mel Tucker even does what he did here. Like for someone to be so selfish to make the mistake he made, it, it ultimately it shows he didn't care because if you care about anyone at this university, you don't do that. You, you just aren't selfish enough. Mark has his faults. Was the program in a high spot on the field at the end of his tenure? No. Were there some questions about other things? Yes. What I know unequivocally is that Mark D'Antonio would die for Michigan State University. And him coming out of retirement for a program that, quite frankly, was happy to see him leave. And the fan base, for the most part, even though they love Mark, I know they love Mark. They still love Mark. But at the time, they were ready to move on from Mark. For Mark to come back in a time of crisis, and say, okay, I want to be a stabilizer in some sense. I'm here for you. What did Haller say? He said he called him on Sunday morning and Mark said, anything you need, I'm there. Like, I believe that. And I think that's incredible, quite frankly. Like, I, I think that's awesome. So I tweeted it out. Um, actually, I want to read it word for word because, look, all of my comments right now, I'll be honest, they're jaded by the fact that I have a personal relationship with the D'Antonio family. I grew up with the D'Antonio family. Like, I get it. So I'm not saying my experience with this is 100% fact, but it, it, this is what I believe. I tweeted, I have no clue what will happen on the field this season or beyond it, but I know that this man returning at a critical time for both the football program and the university will have a massive impact in restoring something good. I believe that because I know he cares. He cares enough to come back and just try and help in any way possible. Um, but some stuff has happened in, in since that tweet that's really pissed me off. And I want to want to dive into this a little more if you'll entertain this. So whenever I, I ever whenever I ever responded to something like that, I'd be like, I, I don't want you to don't do that. Can I read some of my mentions word for word after that tweet? Please. OK, uh, should I read the ats? On this, should we call some people out or should I just read the tweets? I kind of think you should read the ads. 
Okay, let's read that. This is from uh, Kim Bergsma at 1540 Pine. She says, it's amazing, actually, that they are doing this and that the MSU fan base is suddenly treating him like a hero when they have mostly been furious with him since his sudden resignation amidst sexual assault issues with players. It's surreal. I don't think anybody was mostly furious with Mark D'Antonio ever, and I have more on these allegations of Mark later. At PT Warg, PTW says, hey, Craig, why isn't Mike D'Antoni going still their coach? Thanks. I'll hang up now. Lovely comment. Uh, at Shazam Daddy with a Michigan logo as his icon says, Larry Nasser would like a word. Fantastic. At Jay Brandamore said he mishandled scandals too. Uh, at Go Blue Joe underscore 19 said he destroyed the program leading to his quote retirement. There's like 25 others here that you could go through. And we probably need to walk back some facts on a lot of this stuff. But I just want to say this. It really bothers me with, especially with football coaches. I think it is a football specific thing, but it really bothers me that rival fans get to paint whatever narratives they want on a person based on the successes of a coach, kind of like here's some facts for you. Every football coach in the country has had players that play for them that have some sort of legal troubles. I'm not saying Mark D'Antonio is a perfect person, but I am saying the things he was accused of are not what Michigan fans in my mentions are claiming happened here. Mark D'Antonio is not responsible for anything in the Larry Nassar scandal. That's disgusting as an implication whatsoever. Mark D'Antonio was accused when he quote unquote retired, whatever people saying he ran from, he was accused by a former staffer, Curtis Blackwell of a few things. One, Hiring some parents of football players to be on staff. That's not a crime, number one. And two, some minor recruiting violations that allowed Blackwell to recruit off campus. Those were the things he was accused of by Curtis Blackwell. There there was one more that was kind of bad, though. What's the third one? The the Roberson situation. Okay, I'm going to get to the sexual assault stuff in a second. But first, Blackwell's stuff was thrown out because Blackwell didn't even file his report on time. He didn't file his paperwork. Okay? <laughs> so, like, that's that's what he was accused of at the time of ducking. Was Curtis Blackwell's allegations, his impending lawsuit? He didn't even file the paperwork on time after. Outside the lines had a report that 16 Michigan State players were accused of rape or violence against women. Mark D'Antonio, I, I, the one mistake he made, in my opinion, was when he came out and said there were two instances he said that in a a press conference after the fact there were not two instances there were 16 instances 16 instances in 11 years is obviously not good but when you are a head coach of roughly 70 plus people the odds that one of them makes a big mistake under your watch is pretty high in fact it happens everywhere like 16 sexual assaults don't happen everywhere but there are legal issues everywhere. In fact, they're like we're celebrating Urban Meyer's Florida era in a documentary right now. That entire documentary is about the fact that he coached a bunch of horrible people. Yeah. Nobody cared at the time because his teams won. And now we're celebrating. Yeah, I mean, I mean Georgia, documentaries. Georgia and Kirby Smart right now. Like it's 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 literally happening everywhere. And I'm struggling with this because. I view so much of like the dialogue and the narrative of Mark D'Antonio as a person, as a coach, 
to me, became accepted stuff because he was losing football games at the end of his tenure. And so Michigan, like in my opinion, Michigan State fans wanted Mark out because they were losing football games and they thought they could do better. Turns out that probably wasn't true, one. And two, like the narrative on him as a person now got soured, in my opinion, because he was losing football games. And there's a guy in the state right now who is winning football games, who is suspended by his own school, who has had his own issues here. And if Michigan fans want to condemn Mark D'Antonio for all this stuff, like, like, oh, what a horrible program to allow this guy back in. Like, can we talk through some allegations of what's going on with Jim here? Like, he's outwardly defended Bo Schembechler for years, and nobody cares? Car- There's a, a girl named Quinn Moffat. I didn't even know about this. Quinn Moffat was a Michigan student, drugged and sexually assaulted. She died by a Michigan football player. Her mom wrote letters and called Jim Harbaugh. They had a 17-minute phone conversation. The players remained on the team. The names never came public. They still play. Like this happened a couple, I believe this came out like a year ago. So (laughs) I, and here's the truth of it for me. I'm not saying anything's right or wrong. I'm not trying to compare tragedies. What I am trying to say is that more often than not, these narratives end up tied into your success as a football coach. And that's gross to me. Like if Jim Harbaugh never beat Ohio State, then the narrative on him is probably kind of shitty person, right? But because he's got this team top three in the country, get back to the playoff, he's an angel, right? And maybe if Mark D'Antonio didn't have a couple bad years at the end of his tenure, maybe he's an angel too. But I just think it's gross. Um, I I would be careful is all I'm saying. Like if I'm a Michigan fan, I wouldn't throw stones at the idea of Mark D'Antonio to returning at a time Michigan State just needs a good person. Because truly, in his heart of hearts, I believe to my core, Mark D'Antonio is a good person. And he cares about Michigan State football. He's not perfect, but that's something that this team and this program needs desperately right now. And I just, I needed to say that because it's really bothering me how many Michigan fans are acting like Mark, like tying him into Larry Nasser. man, really? It's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I agree with all that. And, you know, I don't know what it looks like going forward necessarily for Michigan State football, because obviously, like the intern tag, who's going to be the next guy? Is it going to be, you know, somebody from inside the program? Is it going to be a national hire? Who really knows? But I think right now the move that they're making is going to be a stabilizer and it'll be a shine a positive light onto the program at a time when shit isn't necessarily going well. Yeah. Like um, there was questions, there was questions being asked about Mel coming into this season, by the way, like that was, that was a real thing. Like people were starting to already doubt what he was doing. And there was a, ne- there was a very, very negative thing. I don't know what the word, a negative cloud around the program with the trajectory of the football team. So this gives, I mean, I guess, I don't know if you want to call this a start over or or the, the beginning of a rebuild or whatever, but for the given situation, I think this is the best stabilizer that could be put into place for Michigan yeah. State football. Yeah. Um, are you sprinkling Michigan State money line at all? Washington at home, first game. Yes, but only because 
I'm a firm believer that, and we talked about this offline, betting home dogs always will feel well. Do we know the line yet? 17 is the last one I saw. It's 17? What's the money line? Oh, my I God. Know, I don't even know if it's available. I'm like licking my lips right now. Um, Card, I'm going to sprinkle money line here. I'm just going to say it. And I think there's an opportunity. I hate to make it about football, but like, can you imagine if Michigan State wins this game with Mark D'Antonio on a headset? I mean, it, it it'll be it'll be scenes. It would be a moment. That's all I'm saying. They have an opportunity for a moment. Um, Plus five seventy five on the money line. It's down to down to sixteen now. A little teaser of the newsletter this week. Michigan State money line is going to be involved in a couple of plays for me. I look, man. I everybody knows it's not a it's not a surprise. I'm a Mark D'Antonio guy. I've said that. Um, it's the reason I'm a Michigan State football fan, in despite my mutant fandom, was because I I loved Mel or not Mel Mark. I thought everything he did was basically if I could create a football coach in a lab, it would be him. Um, I don't think he's gonna like come in and make this offense hum, <laughs> but I think he can win this locker room, and I think he can help. And I think uh, just him being there at all in any capacity could have an effect. And also, I've minimized it. This Michigan State team has some dudes. They're not yeah. a good football team, but they, they got, got some they dudes. got they got guys. They got some dudes. So I, I've said it for football. I think their football coach and, been- and what and and what Michigan State coach that you could think of in the past was good at maybe taking some guys that were on the verge of being dudes or guys that were I don't know under the radar dudes. And made them dudes. I'm just saying. I've said I think their football coach has been an inept football coach for a few seasons. Now we're replacing inept with competent, and they got some dudes. Intrigued. Uh, final thing on the catchphrase. I know I said you shouldn't make jokes about the Tuck coming stuff. Obviously, can we at least go redacted coming? Are we? We're a redacted pod. Are we giving him the redacted treatment? Yeah, I think. Uh... Mm. I don't know if I'm going to give him the redacted treatment. No. Okay. Maybe. Maybe give him the redacted treatment. Well, uh, to be determined. But the best part about all this is this shit's dead. That's dead. That I'll never have to see that again. I never want to see my team get beat for a 40-yard fly route, and they get up doing this, and then get a personal – or get a personal foul penalty after the 40-yard fly route, and everyone's doing this. That goes Hy- away. Hypothetically – Maybe looking back, we should have realized the guy who had seven different catchphrases that all had some sort of sexual innuendo wasn't the guy. Maybe. Okay. All right. Shift. What's next? (laughs) Uh, Team USA. Team USA. It feels weird to do anything. Should we just end the episode? It feels weird to do anything after the Mel Tucker stuff. It it does feel sort of weird, but I don't think we, I think we got to. Right. Just push on. I mean, we yeah. did. We just did like an hour, didn't we? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but it was needed. You want to push on? Let's let's push on. Okay. Let's push on. Team USA didn't meddle in Congrats, the World Germany. Cup. Congrats. Congrats on taking down the buzzsaw that is Austin Reese, Bobby Portis, Walker Kessler, Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson. I mean, you did it. Good work. You're you're stuck in last week. That's two losses ago. I'm more interested in talking about how Dylan Brooks gave us 39 in the bronze game. Congrats. We sent our <laughs> damn C team. I'm so sick of talking about this. 
Dylan Brooks gave us 39. Yeah. I don't care if that's you and me. He gave us 39. What is 39. this? We'll see you. We'll see you at the Olympics. Okay. You're not upset about this at all. You don't care. Don't care. That's such an insane take. Do not care. You don't care at all. I'll see you at the Olympics. I didn't care once this roster was picked because they didn't care. We got a medal at least. Like we had enough to medal in this tournament. Maybe. You don't think we did? We maybe we did, maybe we didn't. But once they picked this roster, they didn't care, so I don't care. Did Anthony Edwards care? Yeah, Anthony Edwards cares. Did Villanova care? Oh, God fucking Villanova. I just can we let's not ever make a team USA centered around like a college core of friends again. That's my one thing. And they didn't even play bad. Macal Bridges had the Ray Allen moment, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to make it around friends, do it around like, you know, first team, all NBA friends. Yeah. Banana boat friends. Not, yeah, not Villanova friends. Um, okay. So I, how do we even talk about this then? If you just don't care, <laughs> you've just moved on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, get, I, mean, I don't care. I, I'm not going to, Fake like I care. I don't. All right. Uh, Dylan Brooks going for 40 checks out because Austin Reeves was probably guarding him and he can't guard anybody. And Austin Reeves was what? The second best player on this team? Mm, Nah. I think it was like Edwards Halliburton. Okay. Jaron Jackson, 2.9 rebounds a game. Not a FIBA guy. Not, Not a math podcast. Hashtag not a FIBA center. I think he might not be a rebounds guy. I don't think he's a four. I don't think he's a center. I think he's a four. He definitely thinks he's a point guard. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that. Which I, which I respect. Which we like. Uh, yeah, I just think he's not a rebounds guy. Because on paper, shouldn't he be the perfect FIBA big? Like, uh, shot, shot block and step out. Yeah, but not, but the, the last part of being a FIBA big is you got to be extremely physical and, and a rebounder. Mo Wagner is like not extremely physical. Mo Wagner is more physical than Jaron. That's an indictment on Jaron. Sorry, but it is. Um, okay. Also, Mo Wagner was playing the four. Do you care that do you care that Jaron fouls constantly? Huh? Do you care that Jaron fouls constantly? Like that that plays him in the NBA too. Like he just can't stop fouling. Yeah, it's at a certain point he's gotta stop. You know, it's like Oh, uh, like eventually he'll get over his foul issues. Well, what is it? I mean, come on now. Like he's got that huge bag and all this is going on. Like it's it's not that hard to stop fouling, to be honest, either. Like no one would blame him if he maybe played a little bit less defense, if it meant him staying on the floor so that he could not foul. And for me, all the Jaron fouls are, are I don't want to make it sound, but all of them are like stupid. Like he doesn't earn his fouls. Like he gets like touch fouls and like yeah reaching and you know or i'll call them lazy fouls he's, yeah. he's not getting his money's worth on his fouls which makes it even harder to grasp the fact that he can't stay out of foul trouble but he 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 just got eaten up as a as a fiba as a fiba five yeah yeah i don't get the fouling thing i was going to ask you on that so thanks for sharing your thoughts um i don't get how you can just not stop fouling it seems easy to just not foul <laughs> if you know that's a pro- like he's because this is now like year five of like this happened at Michigan State. It happened in the NBA. Now it happened in FIBA. And he's pretty aware of it. Like he's taught like I need to stop fouling, but I can't. St- it's not like this is like a drug addiction. Like yeah. uh, so, so uh, we reached that point of the episode. G, let me put it on. 
Where's my Albion hat? Where's my I play D3 basketball hat? I'm about to walk you through something here, all right? There's some keys to not fouling. One of them is just making sure you're in the right spot. If you're in the right spot, it's way easier to not foul. Sometimes, for as good as a defender he is, like he's a great he's a great defender. Don't get me wrong. Um, and he does find himself in the right spot a lot of the times. But if you're if you find yourself in the wrong spot and you try to make up for it, that's how a lot of the fouls end up happening. And to me, it should be easy for Jaron to stop fouling because I think it's I think it's literally just a mental thing. That's all it is. I think he just makes mental mistakes. And some players' mental mistakes lead to turnovers or some players' mental mistakes lead to bad shot selection. His mental mistakes lead to fouls. And fouls are, obviously, you you can't have that. You got to be in the game. Um, Turnovers, bad shot selection, shit like that, that really doesn't have an effect necessarily on your ability to stay in the game or stay on the floor. Fouling does. So it's just... It, it puts it under a microscope. It makes it a lot worse when the, I guess you want to put on the downfall or the the area he lacks is something that directly affects him staying on the floor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Germany, should they be celebrating? Like, obviously, they're celebrating this win, but like, is this like a monumental German basketball moment? Like, if you don't care about this for USA, can Germany care? I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to comment. Will you please comment? Uh, Germany should care. They should. That's good for them. They sent their best players. This is what you didn't want to comment. <laughs> I, Germany sent their best players, so they should be very proud. But uh, okay, on paper, is Germany's best players better than USA's C team? If you were picking rosters from those two pool players, how many German players end up on the team? It, I mean, it's totally different than best players. I'm picking for FIBA. It's different. Okay. I literally might pick. I might pick a more Germany's players for FIBA. Yeah. Okay. Dennis Schroeder, clutch killer at the end of the games. Different when he's not going four for twenty six. Special. What about the Wagner brothers? Like, did does this matter? Franz is, Franz is nice. Is Franz going to be like an NBA dude? Like, what's his ceiling in the NBA? He already is an NBA dude. That was a stupid question. But what's what's his like? Is he an All NBA all, third team guy ever? I think he's an All Star. Okay, I think he's an All Star. I right now I can't envision him being on an All NBA team though. Okay, I would bet on the note. I bet on the note All NBA team. But I feel like you might sprinkle on plus odds. Franz becomes an All NBA player one year. I think there will be a moment in his career where he's a top 15 player in the league. Really? It might not last long, but I think like like he's probably top 30 right now is how I'd feel. Top 30-ish. Like He's probably in the 40, 50, 40 range. Because if he was top 30, I think he'd be an all-star. You have, 15, like, dudes, you have 15 dudes each on the all-star team, right? It's also different between like uh, like player versus asset because like, Okay, Kyrie Irving, better basketball player than Franz right now. We'd agree. Yeah. Would you rather have Franz Wagner or Kyrie Irving? Franz. Right. So there's like there's probably 20 players ahead of Franz on the player list that you are not taking over Franz. So, right. Yeah. True. Um, you wouldn't take Franz over Cade going back, would you? No. Not even a hesitation? Mm-mm. Okay. Availability, biggest ability? No, don't care. I'm good on Bratwurst. 
We're turning injuries off. Okay. Um, what about Canada? Should Canada care? This, I mean, it's a big moment. A lot of people wanted Canada US in the title game. Instead, it's for bronze and Shea Gilgis Alexander crossed up three guys at once. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they borrowed their best players. <laughs> Did they? Because Jamal Murray didn't play. He was hurt. He didn't play. We can't we can't write off and say they brought their best players when Canada's best player didn't play. Shea Gilders Alexander is their best player. Jamal Murray is their best player if he's on this team. Are you saying Shea Gilders Alexander isn't better than Jamal Murray? I'm saying who would the Nuggets rather have in the NBA Finals? Shea Gilders Alexander. Jamal Murray. Shea Gilders Alexander. Stop it. Stop it. That's asinine. Uh uh. Uh uh. They wouldn't trade. The Thunder want SGA. He's the perfect 36 and 5 guy on a 500 team. Yeah, understood. I mean, not everyone gets to play with Nikola Jokic and whatnot. You've, but. you've seen the bubble. You've seen Jamal. Don't minimize Jamal right now. Yeah. You, you pointed out to the fact that I led with Tucker and appearances. You led with your Jamal Murray argument with you've seen the bubble. I'm sorry. That it might be the funniest moment for me in podcast history when you're like, there are things Mel's good at too, like photo shoots. <laughs> it, I'm, this is what I've been trying to get through your head for two years, man. Catchphrases and photo shoots. And now this. Okay. All right. Uh, final thoughts, Team USA. I don't care. That's it. That's all I'm getting from you. No, not, I'll see you at the Olympics. It's 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 up. It's smoke for the rest of the country. How many players from this Team USA team are on the Olympic team? Two, max. What two? I think Edwards and Halliburton have a chance of making it. You're really into Halliburton. Can you? What am I missing there? I, I don't know. I really liked Halliburton in this tournament. Okay. I think he's pretty special. I know he's good. He's just one of those guys, like, I for whatever reason, I can't get into his herky-jerky way of playing basketball. I don't know. Yeah, I just stopped paying attention to the herky jerkiness and I was like, damn, this dude's kind of special. Passing ability is crazy. Yeah. And also good. he's also for as herky jerky as that shit is, he gets it off and he makes it. He uh he kind of reminds me of like if Denzel Valentine actually hit in the NBA. Like that's that's what I thought Denzel could have been. I, see I was wrong. That. I was wrong. Okay. Presented by Big B. Uh some breaking news I want to actually talk about quickly. LeBron James is spearheading an Olympic team movement. Have you seen this? This happened no. live on the pod. LeBron James is going to represent Team USA at the Paris Olympics, and he's spearheading a group of future Hall of Famers, including Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, that are prepared to commit. That's what I'm. It's smoke for the Olympics. It's smoke. We'll see you there. Meet me there. Don't beat me there. I'm waiting for the text, Bron. Spearhead me. What are, what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> I'd be a good people big. <laughs> Would you? Uh, so LeBron saw Dylan Brooks drop 39 and said no more of that? Uh-uh. <laughs> I, uh, Dylan, Dylan Brooks versus Bron in the Olympics. I can't wait. That's what dreams are made of. Maybe that's the turning point for Dylan Brooks. I'm just saying. 39 in a bronze medal game. I mean, that's that's going on his fridge for sure, right? Like. Yeah, all that, all that to just stink it up in Houston. There's a new postseason tournament in college basketball. It's the final topic of the day, but um, I, for one, am excited. As a Michigan basketball fan, I, I tell you what, I can't wait. Uh, this comes from a report from Seth Davis this morning. 
that there is going to be a new college basketball postseason tournament fielded that uh, will look different than any postseason tournament currently in existence. Fox Sports is the one in negotiations with several power conferences for a postseason basketball tournament in Las Vegas. For teams that did not make the NCAA tournament, the field would include the top 16 teams from the Big East, Big Ten, and Big 12 that didn't make the NCAA tournament. Uh, was the ACC just not invited here? Are they not a power conference? SEC? Like, I'm a little confused on that. They don't want Boston but, College there. So the, these teams would be required to decline NIT invitations, but then they would head to Vegas for a 16-team field of power conference teams that did not make the tournament. Your thoughts? I want chaos with this. I want Bill Self in Kansas to deny an NCAA tournament bid and say, we just want to win the first inaugural Vegas fake NIT. Like, I, I, want, I want them to do that. Uh, I, I just don't think it's going to be good basketball. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm not interested in watching that. I don't really find myself necessarily watching any postseason tournaments outside of the actual tournament unless I'm, like, betting on it or unless maybe there's a player I really want to watch. But at the same time, I mean, you're giving me more. You're giving me more college basketball in Vegas. I feel like just morale-wise, for how I was raised and built, I have to be an advocate for that. I'm a big advocate for Vegas, huge advocate for college basketball in Vegas. So, I'm in. Okay, yeah. I I feel like most of the public reaction to this is this is stupid. We don't care. Stop stop like we, we don't need more bad basketball teams playing more basketball uh my genuine reaction no bullshit and it might be coming from a place of joke but it's honestly how i feel i like this i'm excited for this uh i <laughs> uh, how do i say this i hate the nit i think it stinks uh maybe this will also stink i don't know but i do think there is room for something for roughly 20 teams that don't make the tournament that are actually decent basketball teams. Cause every year there are 10 to 15, what I would call good teams that don't make the tournament, whether they're just talented and had mistakes, whether something else, I don't know, but like there's, there's probably 80 tournament caliber teams in the world. Most of them come from power conferences just is what it is. I don't care about the NIT. I think teams don't even care about the NIT and uh, part of that might be due to the draw. Like I get it. We wanted to get some of the small guys in. There's a lot of mid majors, but quite frankly, the mid majors that make the NIT aren't good teams usually. So you end up seeing like Vanderbilt playing scrubs for a couple of rounds. That's not a Michigan joke, but you get the point. I am much more interested in like something involving like teams like Wisconsin and Michigan from last year and teams that likewise from the big East and the big 12. Like I'm actually intrigued by this. The NCAA would never do this, but I have a proposal that would actually make this watchable and interesting cart. Rather than inviting 16 teams that don't make the tournament. I think you should invite 16 teams for the final four spots. And instead of doing the play in as it is now, I think you should take 16 on the bubble at large teams, all high major. Let's say that like qualification has to be high major. So the mid majors get in the tournament, high major teams, 16 rounds. You compete. You need to win 
two games to get to the final four, 16 to eight, eight to four. Make it a play-in tournament for the NCAA tournament and make it the Monday and the Tuesday and the Wednesday after Selection Sunday. It's just That's two fine. rounds. That's fire. It'd be fire. And you could hold this shit in Vegas. It's basically the same concept as the play-in right now. It's just expanded and you got more teams in it. Like That's fire. Make teams make a run to get there. It would be fun. Can I, can I, can I do my pitch for, for this? Please. One, I love that idea. That should actually be a thing. If someone is listening out there, you can make that happen. Like, yeah, actually make that happen. If we don't do that, okay, you have you do the whole thing, do the six, sixteen or the do whatever, whatever the seating is that they have right there. Would that end up being? Would it still end up being? How many number one seeds would be in it then? Uh, one seeds in this little tournament. Yeah. Technically, I guess like like four because there'd be four. There would be four pods of four, and you four need to win your. You need to win two games to win your pot of four to get one of the at large spots in the real tournament. Okay, I want all the four number one seeds to pick who they play the first round out of the rest of the that. teams. I love that. And then you go to the next seed, the next highest seed, and they pick who they play. And I want to see. I want to see where teams are at. I want to see if they pick the easiest team. I want to see if they. Let's say that. Michigan did pick Wisconsin. They want to run it back. Or Wisconsin pick Michigan. They want to run it back the first game. Or do they take the easy way out and pick Seton Hall or something? I don't know. But I, I, want, I want that. I want people to pick their matchup. And you could do this on Selection Sunday. So you go Selection Sunday show that announces the first 64 teams in the field with four openings. And then right after the Selection Sunday show, you go to another selection Sunday show where teams in this tournament actually select the teams they play for a chance at the tournament. Who wants smoke Sunday? I love this. I think we're on to something here. Uh, and it would be a great buffer for my program to consistently have a chance to win two games to make the NCAA tournament <laughs> instead of be locked into the NIT. Pretty fun. I did. Uh, I do genuinely think <laughs> this is a true thought, man. I think Michigan's going to dominate this new tournament. <laughs> I really do, man. I'm not excited about it, but I think if there's one program, I think it's going to have a stranglehold on winning this event in the next couple of years. I think it's the Wolverine. A stranglehold on this event. I didn't. Uh, I didn't say this in the Mel Tucker thing, so I don't want to make too much light of it. But I, uh, I do feel that this whole like hire Mark D'Antonio back as an uh, associate head coach is a great precursor to when Michigan basketball hires John Beeline back as an associate head coach after Juwan hits somebody this season. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> we will get a good test of this three months early. Let's go to one big thing presented by Bigby. Bigby, uh, good coffee spot, I guess. What do you got? <laughs> My one big thing for today is I want to shout out the person who came up with the idea for Target Pickup. I think that Target Pickup is one of the greatest inventions of all time. For many reasons, one being convenience, of course, is special. But the most underrated part of Target pickup is that the most dangerous part of Target is getting inside Target and having freedom to just grab things. If you let my wife loose inside of Target, it'll get nasty. We'll go in there for a couple things. We'll come out with two cartloads. Having the conveniency of the pickup makes it so we get the items that we need. It's brought out to our car. There's no need to go inside and grab a bunch of stuff that we don't need. We don't need seasonal pumpkins. We don't need all this stuff. We don't need fall decor. We need exactly what's on the Target pickup. We need to come in. We need to go out. So thank you to Target pickup people. I really appreciate the convenience and saving me a little bit of money. I endorse that message. Although historically I've been a shipped 
guy, shipped household here. But uh, like right to your door. Yeah, it's it's just a step further on the convenience scale than even Target pickup. Hmm. I'm not familiar with their game. Yeah, shipped is nice. Uh, although we, I will say there are more complications with shipped orders than there are Target pickup orders. So. Uh, I like, yeah, diverse options in the grocery pickup industry right now. It's a nice, healthy spot for that industry. Uh, okay. <laughs> the thumbnail on this is the grocery store delivery in a game in a good place <laughs> with an Illinois bag. I'm literally going to brand today's episode as that. <laughs> like, we uh, we joked about how we were going to make the whole first topic of this show. Any good books you're reading lately? Just to, like we're not talking about the obvious news. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll brand the whole episode as this grocery industry in a good spot. Okay, my one big thing comes from the Giants Cowboys game last night, and also comes from a bet you and I placed. But I think this uh, applies across the board in sports. If you have a rookie and you don't play said rookie in a spot where there's nothing to lose playing said rookie, I hate you. And that goes out to all head coaches out there, okay? Because I'm not asking you, like, you don't have to draft Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee receiver, New York Giants. You don't have to draft Jalen Hyatt and immediately make him your starting slot receiver. That's fine. Certainly would I root for that? Maybe. Possibly. Like his game. Fan of his game. But if he's not ready, that's fine. Don't need to play him too much. Maybe just sprinkle him in here and there. Let him get his feet wet in the league. Yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. When you're down 40 to nothing, with 10 minutes left in a game, in a monsoon, and you got the ones out there and Jalen Hyatt can't get a rep, that's a problem. And I don't think it was just Brian Dable and the Giants that perpetrated this crime this weekend. I think there were other coaches that are not playing their dogs. Let the young bulls rock. This is a movement, a motion that this program was founded upon four years ago. And for my liking, Carter, no one's letting the young bulls rock right now. There are not enough young bulls rocking on my television. Oh, the NBA. I'm sorry, not the NBA. The NFL is the biggest transgressor to the young bull movement. It's all about protecting the young bulls. You got to let them rock. Yeah. Uh, let's sign Jameer Gibbs and he gets seven touches. I don't remember what, what Brian Robinson or uh, B. John Robinson looks fantastic this weekend. Uh, absolute killer. Tyler Algier gets two touchdowns. I just, I want the young bulls to rock. That's all I want. They're not rocking right now. So screw you, Brian Dable. Give me more young bulls rocking. Okay. Weird episode. Hopefully uh, the last time we have to do an episode like that, but realistically, probably not. There's going to be a lot more scandals in sleepers history. You think we'll have a scandal eventually? What do you think is the next scandal that's going to happen? I'm not. I'm just gonna skate over. <laughs> Will we have a scandal? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna skate over that. Um, you know, I don't know. I just hope it's not with my school. We probably shouldn't play a game of like what coach is most likely to have the next scandal. But I was gonna say Chris Beard spinning the block at Ole Miss. All right, I'm not going to comment. Thanks for listening. Long episode today. Appreciate everybody getting through it. I hope my mentions shock and smart. I hope my mentions don't go sour. Uh, we'll see you Tuesday on the Sleepers Podcast. Have a good Monday, everybody, and uh, act appropriate on Zoom calls. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.